Hi, I'm Deborah Hamilton. Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? Ten years ago, with my iPhone and a script, I recorded the first episode of the Ultimate Pet Resolution Summit, which chatted with experts about conflicts over animals. Our conversations were intimate, honest, and illustrated how disagreements over animals occur and how those disagreements can reshape people's lives and relationships. In November 2019, I started Why Do Pets Matter, a new podcast that continued these informative discussions. I'm so excited to have you here with me, continuing my exploration into a more meaningful conversation about why pets matter to all of us. My guests and I will share ideas, stories, and experiences straight from the heart, unscripted and holistic. From the bravest moments to the most brokenhearted, we will explore how to resolve disagreements over animals differently. One thing I know for sure is I want to have more meaningful conversations that will help all of us unlock that deeply felt human-animal bond that drives the emotions of conflict. Today's podcast is with Dr. Stacy Santee. She's a veterinarian who believes in honesty, integrity, and transparency. We're also going to talk to Stacy about Vet2Pet, an app she created to communicate with your vet. So stick around for the CSI of animals, Dr. Stacy Santee. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton, and welcome back to Why Do Pets Matter? I am here today with my very good friend and colleague, Dr. Stacy Santee. She's, first of all, a veterinarian, a wonderful veterinarian, and she has created a product that will help veterinarians and clients communicate better. And you know, that is my wheelhouse. It's called Vet to Pet, and she's the CEO. Stacy, welcome. Hi, thank you. Great to see you. I'm so glad you're here. You know, we've had so many conversations uh, the audience didn't have the ability to listen in on because we talk a lot and I love what we talk about. But as we start the Why Do Pets Matter podcast that we're recording for today, tell me, Stacey, why do pets matter to you? Well, they matter because I think for me, I wanted to be a vet since I was about six. I think that's when I made the announcement to my family that I was going to dedicate my life to animals. My brother, interestingly, made a, my little brother made a concurrent announcement that he wanted to dedicate his life to Burger King so he could get free Whoppers. But my mother likes me to tell everyone that his dreams did not come true and mine did. And that might be a positive thing. <laughs> it is. She says, she says that if you tell that story, you have to tell people your brother didn't end up at Burger King. Yeah, his um, dream didn't come true as yours did. So that yeah. was But I, I think for me, what animals represent is uh, it's an honesty. It's a purity. It's a true love. They're like orbs around the planet to me that radiate love. I mean, every now and then we get some, you know, some animals that are plagued with rage, but they're so rare. For the most part, animals in general are innocent. They are, uh, dogs and cats, especially for me, just represent love. And, you know, it's so impactful that you said that because for me, um, as a breeder of Irish setters, I know that the puppies who land on the floor um, when my girl has them are just that. They are orbs of love. First of all, they're, they're helpless, and so you have to take good care of them. And then when I give them to their owners, the nurturing that 
can be done, no matter where you get your dog, the nurturing that can be done to assist people to really feel that true love and that innocence. Um, and then if God forbid somebody's a bad placement or the, the dog is, you know, a rescue or something with a, with a difficult temperament, working with that dog um, to assure that it gets to live the life it was meant to live. Right. It's, they're quite spectacular. And the only creature I've ever found that can, that is capable of unconditional love. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think the only creature on the planet that I know about can love you unconditionally. They don't care what you look like. They don't care how you smell. They prefer probably if you smell worse than if you smell good. They, they just love you for who you are. They don't care if you have a job. They don't care you know, if your spouse hates you, they don't care. They don't care. They love you. And it's, there's something very wonderful about that. That it really feeds your soul. Yes. It always has for me. I've always rather, yeah, I'm the kind of girl, if I go to a party, I'm in the corner, you know, petting the dog or hugging the cat. I, I find the animals for some reason, that's just always been me. I relate to animals really well. But before I forget, I have to tell you that my dogs do prefer me to smell different because when I put perfume on, it's like a sneeze fest at my house. <laughs> what did you do, mom? That stuff stinks. And I'm like, well, I paid a lot of money for that stuff and I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I love what you do because of course you're a phenomenal veterinarian, but also this product of vet to pet, because you and I talk all the time about vet communication to their clients, to their staff and communication from clients to the veterinarian is key for the best care of the dog. So they have unconditional love for you and you have unconditional love for them, but how do you communicate that? And how do you take the time to make sure you are speaking the right language? Well, as a veterinarian, I, I always would tell my patients, besides your parents, I love you the most. So we all have a common goal, the vet and the pet owner, and that is to make sure that pet lives its best, happiest life as long as possible. We know it won't be forever because animals just don't live that live long enough for that. But while they're here, we all have the same goal. And sometimes it's a lot of communication around understanding what, what each other's goals are and being respectful and mindful of that as you're the provider and holder of knowledge about medical anatomy, biology, science, pharmacology. You have to know what's possible to help that pet owner achieve their goals for their pet and also make sure you're protecting the well-being of that pet because sometimes pets are in a bad situation and they aren't being cherished for what they have to bring. And that happens, of course. So veterinarians have two stakeholders, the pet owner and the pet. You know, it's so, it's so interesting you speak of them that way because I do too. I, I try to bring everybody back to focus on all the stakeholders and almost everyone when they're in disagreement don't remember that the reason they're there is because you're talking about this beloved pet who usually is beloved by the owner and really pretty much on a whole is beloved by the vet and their staff as well. Right. We're all in the game. People dedicate their life to veterinary medicine, not for the fame and fortune. It's not for the great hours. It's for really making a difference in each animal's life. 
And there's nothing better than that. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you how it's, how great it feels to take an animal that's injured or harmed or terminal going to, you know, in a bad way. And you're able to use the skills and talents and knowledge you've acquired and equipment you have, and you're able to fix and put that pet back together, just like Humpty Dumpty and give them back to their pet owner. Like it, there is nothing in my mind that ever comes close to beating that feeling. Right. Sustaining their life healthily and also returning them to health are the two most, I think, impactful things that veterinarians have shared with me, keeping them safe, keeping them healthy um, and helping them regain their health Two absolute important things. And I loved when you said um, you have to communicate your goals and your vision. So when I do my contracts, I call them um, conscious contracts. So what you're doing is you're building a conscious communication um, platform on which to talk to an owner when they walk in with the new puppy or the rescue dog that might be a little older. You know, what is your vision for this dog? So walk me through that. So I've just walked in and, and what do you do? What do you ask? Well, I was just actually talking to the uh, veterinary students at Colorado State about this last week. We had a Zoom call and they were asking me about tips and tricks for their exam room skills. And I said, it's really all about listening. You, you might be prompted to get on with it because you've got a big, heavy schedule. You might actually succumb to thinking that if you can just ask these questions and they could just answer those questions that you could get on with it faster. But I said, it will burn you in the end because your goal is to help that pet owner achieve their goals for their pet. And before that happens, you have to listen and you have to ask and get to know your client. I think a lot of people don't flex skills and chit chat anymore. And to me, that's a sad thing because just visiting helps you build bonds with people. And I have yet to meet somebody on the planet that I don't have at least something in common with. One thing, everybody has something to offer the world. And it's your job to figure out where you're in alignment so you can come to a common place of understanding what they need. And so I would ask questions to my clients, like, tell me more, you know, what, what's keeping you up at night? What, how do you feel about that? And it, it can't be judging your, I owned a cat that peed in the floor. It is one of the most stressful things to ever happen. So I'm not going to sit there and tell you that is, that's just the way it's going to be. I've had a cat claw my couch. I know what that feels like. I'm not going to tell you that doesn't matter, but I am going to help you figure out, all right, how do we work through this together? And what's your commitment level? And what kind of resources do we have here? And here's the resources I have. And here's the commitment I have. And what can we do as a team? So I always like to talk to my clients more of the we perspective instead of you do this and I'll do this. And we're a team and we're on your pet's team. And I always try to give that uh, advice to up and coming veterinarians too. listen. You just got to listen. And if you think they're talking too much, you just got to keep listening because eventually they'll stop. And then you ask the question, anything else? <laughs> because you've got to understand what they want. 
And it's so important, you know, when, when I work with veterinarians who've had a difficult conversation with a client and the client left angry, I always want to be empathetic because, you know, we do try our best. As you said, you try your best. You ask the question. Sometimes you're better at it than other times. I am. You, everybody is. But you have to recognize and be mindful of when you weren't necessarily um, listening and being on the team for the pet. You were busy trying to figure out, you know, we're all professionals and not all of us. Some might not be, but some pet owners um, might have information that we have to really um, mine for. Because they might not recognize something that will be really impactful to a diagnosis because it's what the dog did all the time or it's what the cat did all the time. Maybe if the cat is peeing all over the house, there's a reason for that. You know, and there might be a fix for that. There might not. I had a dachshund. Um, no fix for that. Uh, <laughs> however, you know, uh, you know and, and you know what, if, you're, if your client says... I have an ability to live with this because I can limit them and do this. That's okay too, because it's, it's what, as you said, I loved it. It's a commitment to the team on what you can do, what you can't do and not being judgy and not being, um, you know, over overly bearing on what you should do with this dog, whether you're the veterinarian or the front staff people, or even the breeder or rescue. Uh, if the people have found equilibrium, right? You should be okay with that. It's really about putting the shoe on the other foot and seeing what their reality is like and what they're capable of, because it makes no sense whatsoever for me to tell you some treatment plan that you can't execute for a variety of reasons. I, I think that when the veterinarian can listen to the client and the client can be in a comfortable space, to be honest, then that's when the real magic happens in the exam room and in the veterinary practice. That's when the goals get met. But when people don't want to tell you the truth or, you know, maybe they don't know, they weren't observant. These, all, these are all challenges. But being a vet, I, I'm obsessed with um, crime shows. I don't know why. I just really like these. But being a vet is sort of like CSI for animals. The owner holds a piece of the puzzle, the physical exam, and my patient owns a piece of the puzzle, and I have to try to put it all together. Yeah, that is a beautiful way of putting it because it truly is, you, as I said, you're excavating. You're excavating um, a site where you want to find out how you can plug all the bones together to see what animal you just dug out of the pit. You know, you, you right. really want to find out and you need that information from school, you need that information from experience. You need that information from clients um, and even from colleagues. If you're sort of baffled, uh, you can always share with colleagues and say, well, this is what I found. What do you think? And sometimes, you know, you hit your head and you go, I should have had a V8, right? How did I not see that? But sometimes we get so wrapped up in looking to the left, we forget to look to the right. And, you know, listening and seeking out with curious questions, like you asked, so several curious questions, because you don't know what they know, and you're going to have to find that out. You are, and you have to, you have to know when to listen and hear like, hmm, that's different than the other hundred times I generally ask that question. Tell me more. Yeah. The owner often knows a lot of the information, but they don't necessarily know they know the information. So I have to get them to tell me what they're seeing on their end because they are with their pet all the time. So if, 
And they have preconceived notions that they assign to the preconceived meanings they assign to things that may or may not be true. So I have to dig through that a little bit. It's very fun job. It's very challenging. It's it. If you, I would argue, if you don't like people, you should not go into veterinary medicine. When most people go into veterinary medicine because they don't like people. So, but until the pet can talk and tell us their own history and come with their own credit card embedded in their microchip, we have a human at the end of the leash that's gonna be required for us to reach our full potential. I have to tell you that that's such a refreshing way to think because when I have clients who come into my office who've had disagreements with their veterinarian, it usually just simply surrounds what you have described here not happening. They didn't ask me about that. They didn't inquire about that. I told them that, but they didn't hear me. And not only do you ask questions, right, I'm sure, but you also then reflect back and say, you know, what I heard you say is that... Um, you really need to flex your chit chat skills so that you can find out more information. You have to ask uh, open-ended questions to allow. So you, I'm reflecting back what you just said here, which gives you the opportunity to say, no, I never said that. Or yeah, that's what I said. Because as a veterinarian, like you said, you need to find out this information and you need to find it out and hear it, not with your preconceived idea of what it might be, but actually what they're seeing. So you get the full picture. Absolutely. And some people I would classify as just flat out crazy. There are some real lunatics out here, but you know what? I think that's interesting. Don't you? Like, do. would it be so boring if everyone was the same? So when somebody comes to me and they're quirky or weird or whatever you want to classify them as different, I view this as, well, let's get to know you better. Let's understand what drives your decision and thinking. Because when I can get into that space, regardless of my own personal biases, I'm not asking you to be my best friend forever. I'm here to help your pet. So if I can understand your perspective and your thought process, I can get you to tell me the things I need to know to help your pet. I find it fascinating. And I have to tell you, I'm such a more well-rounded person from getting to know all different types of people, some that probably should be in a mental institution, no doubt. But nonetheless, they own a pet. And if you own a pet, you're in my camp. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, people of all different shapes and sizes and, and desires and, and personalities own pets um, for various reasons. And, and I truly feel, and you might agree, that pets ground people. If they're having issues, if they're um, feeling unsafe, if they're feeling left out, if they're having a rough time, as you said at the beginning of this podcast, you know, animals love you unconditionally. They don't judge you. So when you're having that difficult time, you really need to help them help their pets. I had a senior client. He'd been my client for many years and his wife had passed and we'd been through a few dogs that had passed and he's living by himself and his mental condition started to deteriorate. And I knew this because I'd been his friend of veterinarian for a long time and he was just acting peculiar and asking me questions. He'd bring his dog in about every two weeks and tell me his dog stopped eating. But I'd weigh the dog and his weight was the same. And I'd feed him a treat and he'd eat it. And I'd say, really? And he, oh, he'd just swear up and down that things were not right. 
do whatever you need to do. Like he needs tests. Well, the first few times I did run blood work and x-rays and everything was normal and this kept happening. And so I just realized that this client was under the influence of dementia and he just did what he thought he should do and it didn't make any sense. And I just went along with it and I would keep his dog for a few hours and tell him I was going to run tests and I didn't because I didn't need to. And I'd spend my appointment time trying to find his son on Facebook (laughs) to figure out who can help my client because something's off, something's not right. And I think, you know, that just requires you to pay attention, to care, to not take everything at face value and to realize you're in, you're building relationships with people and you're, you're a trusted advisor. You know, the relationship is so important because even if something goes wrong, and I'm sure you've heard of these stories, but if something goes wrong, if you have a relationship with someone and you're transparent, you're honest, and you talk about it, my office would be closed and I would be okay with that because it is about building that trust and that relationship that enables veterinarians to do the best they can for their for their clients, the pets, um, and things do go wrong. You know, things happen and you're like, oh my God. And the fear that is now running rampant in um, veterinary circles because clients aren't feeling as if they have a relationship with their vet, or if they did, when something went wrong, the veterinarian circled, I always say circle the wagons, you know, they circle the wagons, we're not gonna talk to you because like this went wrong and I'm not gonna talk about it. And it really creates an issue where there doesn't have to be one if you simply are transparent and honest. Uh, and, you know, if if something went wrong, I always, I always tell my colleagues who are defense, um, malpractice defense attorneys, I go, listen, if they do something wrong, it's so much better to just own up to it. I know that you don't want to pay out on anything. However, it's really good for the veterinarian and the client for the people to own up to it and then find a resolution. And if you have a conversation and it's a difficult conversation, um, everybody feels better. Where I don't think if you circle the wagons and nobody has a conversation, anybody feels better. And then I get hired um, to help resolve it. And I'd rather not. Yes, I have uh, some firsthand experience at that for sure, unfortunately. So, you know, you are taught in veterinary school that you should just say nothing because you could say something that could incriminate you and open you up for litigation. So if things go south, you're supposed to stop and call the lawyer, uh, the veterinary lawyer. And I had a situation, you know, I graduated that school very young. I was 25. And I got my first job and I was a 26 when I killed my first patient. And it was horrible. It was so horrible. It was a boxer that had been, um, uh, came in for a a cesarean and there was a complication and um, ended up, I ligated one of her uh, ureters, which caused her kidney to disintegrate over a few months. And she nearly died. I saw her back and she had this huge mass in her abdomen. It turned out to be a very complicated situation. It took us time to figure out what was going on. And as it turned out, I had made a surgical error in the cesarean. You know, I can give you all the reasons why I should be excused from that. I was young. I was new. I was inexperienced. It was late at night. You know, it was a big, 
gravid uterus with 12 puppies in it. It was hard to see anything, whatever. It doesn't matter. I messed up. Right. And I wasn't sure what to do. I, I, I know listening to what I learned in school, I should do nothing, but as a human, as a person raised by the parents I was raised by, that wasn't going to fly with me. I have to say, I'm sorry. I, I messed up. I knew what happened. I knew exactly what happened. And I have a great mentor at my job. His name was um, Dr. Ben Edwards in Portland, Oregon. He's since passed. But I remember asking him, what do I do? I mean, I'm bawling. I'm so upset. And he goes, you have to say the truth. You have to be honest. You have to tell the client what happened. And I said, I feel I need to. And he said, you do need to. And he said, and if, if they sue you and if this happens, you just go with it. And you, but to, to ignore your impact on someone else's life will be not worth the pain and cost of giving away part of your soul. Yeah. And he was right. I can't forgive myself if I don't say I'm sorry and I don't own it. And so I went to the owner and I, you know, I had also got spent most of my paycheck at the pet store for their dog in you know, trying to make a peace offering, like, I feel horrible. I hurt your dog. Your dog lost a kidney. I can't tell you how, I mean, I'm sobbing. I, I can't imagine what these people thought of me. And, you know, they were so gracious. And they told me, first off, we will never, ever come to see you again. You will never be our provider ever again. I said, I understand. And they said, but second off, we forgive you. And we accept your apology and we understand we're not happy about it, but we forgive you. And to me, that was such a lesson of what you should do, not based on who's going to sue you and what technically should happen from a legal perspective, but more about what's the right thing to do. And at the end of the day, if I'm going to get back on the horse, I have to be able to live with myself and I have to have confidence and I have to, part of that confidence is forgiving myself for making mistakes and owning my mistakes and learning from my mistakes. And you better bet your uh, bottom dollar that I never had another issue like that happen to me again with a cesarean. So it's called practice for a reason. And there isn't anybody on the planet that does high value work like this that doesn't make mistakes. And, you know, you learn so much from failures. It's unfortunate that, you know, in veterinary medicine, sometimes the dogs are injured when mistakes are made. However, nobody's perfect. And if anybody thinks somebody's perfect or you think you're perfect, you're, you're in for a rude awakening very soon. Um, but if you can't take ownership, be transparent, apologize um, and do the right thing. As you said, I loved it. You said it eats away at your soul. And, and so That's it. It can't possibly be more um, important to wait and see if the client will sue you um, than to say, you know what, this did not work out as we had anticipated. And when we went in, we found X, Y, and Z, and likely this was an issue that arose during the C-section, and now we have this to deal with. And I want to take responsibility for the trajectory of the C-section to the kidney to the now what we find with the the kidney issues. And it, you know, I think that everybody can make a mistake. It's the rare person like you who will raise their hand and own up to it and say, um, I've done it. But as you put so eloquently, but you couldn't 
really give away that part of your soul. You can't. And most vets I know, I would say 99% of veterinarians I know feel exactly the same way. They're good yeah, people. They, they're, they're, just very, all, they're just giving bad advice. To, I know, and I can say that those attorneys who give them that bad advice are my colleagues. And I always say to them, you are really creating an untenable position for veterinarians because they really do want to make amends and yet they are told not to because it's not in the best interests of the insurance companies. And I know I'll probably get tons of letters from my friends, the defense attorneys saying, but that's the law, Deborah." And I go, yeah, I know. I'm a lawyer. I know it's the law. <laughs> However, you're not helping veterinarians. You're um, not. You're not helping anybody. Nope. It, you're not it, helping veterinarians. You're not helping clients. People hold on to that anger that comes from losing a pet due to a mistake and, and it eats their soul away. So you're not helping the veterinarian and you're not helping the pet owner. So what are you doing? Well, you're helping the insurance company, but that's a whole nother story. And, and yeah. I'm not going there right now. Cause I talk <laughs> about that at every conference. Um, but Stacy, I am so grateful to hear. We didn't talk enough about vet to pet, but we will next time because I think that you are going to be one of the most phenomenal um, podcasts to drop because of the just honesty and integrity. I know that a lot of people from various vet um, sites that have had difficult, uh, people who are running sites that have difficulties with veterinarians are going to really want to find you um, because they want a vet who's going to be transparent and, and you know, understand. So I'm going to put all your contact information on the podcast. But if um, anyone wants to learn more about um, vet to pet uh, which is a communication app, right? For your phone, mm -hmm. uh, between your veterinarian and, and the client, um, please go to uh, vet2pet.com. Yep. That's it. Number and two. Will, yep. <laughs> vet2, the number two. So it's, oh, good. Vet2, the number two, pet.com. And then, you know, you, you can also probably find Stacy there too. Stacy, thank you so much. I do want you to come back again, because I have to say that you know, you and I knew before we got on this podcast that we were kindred spirits. Um, however, after this podcast, I'm sort of like, oh, my God, I'm so glad to meet you because it is it is dark and cold when you're talking to attorneys about helping veterinarians be their best selves. It's a dark and cold planet, um, not the warm planet that you live on and that I live on, which helps people be their best selves. So um, before we, we wrap up, I do want to point out um, the four things that I pulled out because my, my staff at the, um, editing always says to me, Deborah, you have to pull four things out. And I have about eight here, but the four that I really, um, want to point out to my listeners is it Stacy works with her clients to help everyone live their life to the fullest, the pet and the owner. Um, and really Stacy as well, because the veterinarian's life is fulfilled if the pets stay as long as they possibly can. Um, communication is the goal and to communicate fully. And I loved when you, sh you shared, you know, flex your skills to chit chat, really important. How's your kids? How's the house? You know, because sometimes, you know, a, a pet's coming in and he's sick and, and they don't understand why. And you go, how's the house? Well, we're painting and we just put in new, you know, grout or whatever. And the, and the vet goes, well, probably got into the grout or maybe got into the paint, licked the walls, whatever, maybe the smell, who knows? So it just is so important to communicate. Um, and being respectful and mindful. So for me, that's my mojo. Um, being respectful when you talk to someone, when you listen to someone, when they say something that you go, how could you even say that? Recognize, as you beautifully put 
it's a different perspective and you need to just figure it out. And also be mindful of your biases because the thing that drives me nuts, I'm sure it drives you nuts as well as when um, Deborah Hamilton comes into the vet offices and she's so difficult. Um, everybody sees my name on the, you know, on the board and says, oh my God, Deborah's coming. Well, you set up the energy and the practice for everything to go haywire. Um, so be mindful. And, and I loved when you said, there's so many things I love, but I want to know them better. If they really are cranky, I want to know them better because I want to know why they're so cranky because they have a beautiful dog or a beautiful cat um, or a beautiful horse um, because those things are amazing. And they really keep you honest, those horses, because they can, they can hurt you if you misbehave with them. So um we, we love our horses. Stacy Santee, uh, Vet2Pet, thank you so much for being here. You're going to be on again. This is Deborah Hamilton, Hamilton Law Mediation, and the Why Do Pets Matter podcast. Thank you all for coming, and come back next time. The Why Do Pets Matter podcast drops every Thursday and can be found on whichever platform you find your podcast. Subscribe now, invite your friends, and I cannot wait to have you join me in these conversations.